Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 59. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. That's another semi-late night recording session. Yep, full of carrot cake once again, and it feels good. <laughs> Are you tired? Uh, Yeah, pretty tired. I'm actually pretty tired. But I think we can get this one done. Matt had a good idea for an episode that actually segues into a question we got. So I think we can start off with that. We got a message a while ago. The message was, hey guys, love the show. I was wondering if you could provide some insight for me. I am going to be rolling in my first tournament in February and I'm pretty nervous. I am a nice person and don't like to hurt people, but here competitors can be mean. Any advice on how to change my mentality from friendly roles at the gym to competition roles? So this aligns nicely with what you suggested for a topic for this episode, which is passivity. A common problem for really anyone who is training jujitsu and at all levels. When you're beginning, usually passivity is a problem because you're just not used to actually having to fight somebody. And I found that as you get more experienced, passivity becomes a problem because you're used to training in the gym with your training partners. And even if you're going intense, you're not really trying to kill them. The goal is to minimize injury, not to create injury. So you're never really stepping on the gas the same way that you would in an actual fight or in an actual competition. So this creates an interesting situation where you've got to be able to juggle two sides of your personality and being able to turn the dial up and turn it down consciously is an important attribute in any grappling competition, but also in life in general, right? You have to know at what time it is appropriate to apply the right level of intensity, and how do you do that? I mean, how do you just flip a switch in your brain that makes you behave differently? So Matt, you'd mentioned again that guys at your gym were struggling with this, which I think is also a very common problem for most grapplers. So let's kick it off. What do you think? Yeah, so this is um, this is something that I actually find as a coach very common, depending on, uh, you know, people from all different backgrounds who train jujitsu for different reasons. I think if you're a competitor and you want to be a competitor, it's definitely more of an issue than if you're just a recreational practitioner. Um, I think as humans, we tend to, uh, try to avoid discomfort for the most part and find the path of least resistance and, jujitsu training when you're not a hundred percent always going for the kill and you're just playing around I find is usually more fun than trying to kill each other in the gym every day and that you really have to uh, push yourself to seek out the discomfort and to roll harder than you might normally do that like I'm preparing for a tournament right now in Oregon in a few weeks and I'm making sure that I'm trying to win all my roles right now Um, when my buddies come in from other schools they come at me really hard and I have to 
you know, try and put them down as hard as I can. It's not really as fun as just playing around and exchanging technique for technique, but you're actually at this point in my preparation, I'm, you know, you're using a lot of physicality and you're, um, not just relying on technique, but your attributes as well, just because you really have to get, get into that mindset. And I've gone into competitions before feeling passive or just like, uh, I didn't prepare the way that I should have in that I wasn't really seeking the kill. And it definitely is uh, not good if you're trying to win a competition because the truth is it is different when you're rolling in the gym, you're rolling nice with people. They're your buddies, you know, you, you got work the next day, but if you're preparing for a competition and when you have those competitive roles, it's a lot different. The grips gas out way quicker, you know, your adrenaline's pumping and, and, um, it's very different. So you, you really do have to make an effort to seek out the the discomfort that can be <laughs> experienced in training. You really have to seek out the hardest roles possible. And, um, yeah, it's, it, you really like it's it's a matter of making the decision that you're not going to be passive but that you're going to actually have a game plan you're going to try and implement that game plan and essentially try and break your your opponent's will yeah the funny thing about training in the club is you're not training at maximum effectiveness and well at least in terms of trying to win the fight because the objective when you're training is not to win it is to learn and improve so part of it is that you're with your buddies you want to have fun but really part of it is if you're going at 100 percent peak athleticism all the time you're not going at a rate at which you can really stop and think and take time to absorb and sort of work new areas of the strategy into your brain i find personally that when I'm training slower, I learn better just because I can stop. I can think about things. I can let my brain catch up. And then after I've done that enough, I can also eventually move that into my muscle memory. And then I can just recall those techniques immediately without having to worry about slowing down. Additionally, when you're training with your buddies, the nice thing about it being a non-competitive environment is that you can try things that are not part of your A game. You can pick out techniques and use things that you would not normally use. And that's how you broaden your horizons but the problem is there's a time to train and there's a time to win and you don't want to get those two mixed up if you mm. wind up in a situation where you're rolling in competition like you would roll in the gym your performance is going to be terrible and i've talked before about the challenges of mindset sometimes you walk into the gym and you feel great and you feel like you're going to dominate and you do and sometimes you go to the gym and you just know as soon as you get there, I just don't want to be here today. Mm -hmm. It's I'm just not feeling it today. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think the problem is everyone knows what they need to do here, but learning the to rewire your own brain to turn the dial up and turn the dial down is very hard. And there are times and places for, for everything, right? The main difference is when you're in the club, because you're not trying to win and because you're trying to learn it's okay to actually turn the athleticism dial down quite a bit. I mean, I remember when I was a white belt, my professor was saying at the time, you know, Steve, you got to slow it down. And so I'd slow it down. And then he'd say, you got to keep slowing it down. You got to go slow it down more because especially when you're new at it, you know, you're probably relying too much on athleticism versus relying on actually stopping and paying attention to what's happening and observing the technique. So we train ourselves through repetition that we want to be slow. Yeah. But the reality is when you're in a fight, you want to use every tool that you have at your disposal, not just your technique, right? I mean, yeah, it's great to have technique. Technique is 
probably the mo- one of the most important things you can bring into a fight. But if you're in high level competition, you want to use your athleticism as well. And if you've conditioned yourself to not use that and to just do flow rolls, basically, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter how technically good you are. You're probably going to get stomped just due to aggressiveness. Yeah, it's a real thing um, and something that I've definitely struggled with in the past. Sometimes finishing a match and thinking, you know, you could do more is a lot worse than even getting submitted. You know, when you when you know that you would have you could have had more in the tank, you could have offered more, but you didn't you didn't act right. And and I think um, aside from just rolling, getting used to rolling light and not not at a at the level that is needed for a high level competition, there's also the matter of your brain becoming lazy in terms of decision making. So sometimes. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll see an opportunity to go for something, but then you hesitate for a second. And then before you know it, that opportunity is long gone, right? Yeah, so the yeah. fact that, uh, or, or, or the skill that is involved in acting upon an opportunity once it comes towards you and uh, dismissing that passivity is something that's really important. And of course, passivity, when, once you add like a rule set to a match and you can actually literally get penalized for passivity, it's important to also... Remember that uh, at times it might make sense to be passive. Like if you're up maybe three points on someone and there's 30 seconds left, it might make sense to stall them out and get a penalty if it means that you can get to the next match, you know. So uh, definitely a skill to be able to turn it on and off, to be to be able to roll light when you need to roll light and, and train for fun when you need to. And then also to be able to turn it, turn that passivity off and turn the aggression on when it's needed. Yeah, the thing I was always taught and the thing I firmly believe is that good martial arts are about efficiency. It's about the path of least resistance. So technically in a blue sky scenario, you want to do as little as possible. And this is how I train when I'm training. You know, I will be sparring with someone and if, you know, if I am the more experienced guy, a lot of the time, I'm not necessarily trying to even win. I'm basically just asking myself, like, can I just basically do almost nothing and still beat this guy just due to sheer efficiency due to technique? But when you're actually in a fight, Again, you need to use every advantage you have. So if you've conditioned yourself to take the lazy route all the time, I mean, in a lot of situations in life, the lazy route is better simply because efficiency is good, but efficiency is is not the total end game results are the total end game so efficiency is just a way to get to the end to get the results you want but it's not necessarily the only weapon you have at your disposal the way that i like to think of it is um you know we all have attributes we have strength agility cardio just size right um some of us have more better attributes than others in the for the context of grappling um and those are things that are you can think of kind of like addition but technique is a multiplier right technique is a force multiplier so if you have good technique and you're super efficient that's awesome you can dramatically multiply your output but multiplication like in math it involves the numbers you're using right i mean if i'm a really weak puny guy and i can multiply my force by 2x just by being efficient that's great but if i'm a gigantic athletic dude and i can multiply my force by 2x that's a lot better so Again, when it comes to just being overly passive, you know, it's it's a matter of using all of your attributes. And also, like you said, uh, in addition to just using every weapon you have, including your athleticism and getting conditioned to do that, 
not only is that something you need to worry about, but you also need to be willing to flip on the switch, which is something that in training a lot of the time we don't do. Like if I'm working my guard and I see an opportunity to maybe do something that I just don't want to do today, I'm not going to do it. Like, you know, maybe I've got a really, really good Delaheva sweep, but I'm just not working Delaheva today. I'm not, I might not go to my plan A. I might go to my plan B and work on some of my weaker techniques. And if you get to the point where you're more of a jujitsu scholar and you're just always trying to learn new things, it's easy to train yourself out of the mentality of going to your A game. Uh, like I find, for example, Matt, you know, as because I'm learning a lot of things, I sometimes forget and I move away from the stuff that works really well for me just because I'm intentionally trying to diversify. And I think that you have to make a conscious effort when you know you're going into an actual competition to shore up your game plan. Like you need to really think about it and think about like, what are the things I do that I know are going to work that I've worked on a lot and how can I subtract everything else that is just a distraction from that? Yeah, I agree with that because I've been in competitions and tried to do techniques that quite honestly, I don't do in the gym very often. Just simple mistake, a simple wrong decision in competition, trying to go for a technique that you, you know, you're, it's not really one of your main guns. And a lot of the time it can turn out really bad. And, uh, yeah, you go for it, not because it's one of your main weapons, but because maybe it's the thing you practice last, maybe you practiced it last Friday. So it was just the thing that was top of mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But definitely sticking to an A game, I think is more important in a competition, especially in a situation like an IBJJF points competition where, you literally fight tooth and nail for every point, every inch at the highest level. Um, you have to stick it, stick to what's what you're good at, and you have to like. I think um, turning on, turning off the passivity, and and being able to be aggressive in competition. There's a there's a direct relationship between you know turning off passivity and confidence, having the confidence mm -hmm. to to execute a technique or to even go for a technique and know that if you fail. You'll have the the cardio and the, the the fundamentals and the conditioning to be able to to dig yourself out of a hole if you end up in a bad situation. So I can't remember who said I think it's a John Danaher quote where he said basically I'm paraphrasing here. He says basically you know an, an ath a superior athlete who is overly passive will lose ten uh, nine times out of ten to someone with lesser skill but who's far more aggressive in competition yeah. and that's because the person who's more aggressive in competition will actually act upon uh, opportunities and create opportunities even though they might not be the better grappler a lot of the t you know within reason a lot of the time they can use that um aggressiveness and that ability to find certain scenarios to actually defeat the person who could be possibly more skilled but far more passive so it's definitely a skill in itself comp competing um being aggressive and having the confidence to go for things yeah i think a lot of it comes down to confidence and confidence does not necessarily mean you know you're going to win it just means that you know that you're going to try to win and if it doesn't go the way you want you know that you can get the train back on the track to victory like confidence the problem is you don't want a situation where you have like Mike Tyson confidence or Ronda Rousey confidence where you're only confident as long as you're winning. Part of it is trying to get back on track after things don't go well. Mm -hmm. But to your point, I have definitely experienced this firsthand where I'm rolling with someone and I know they are superior in every way. You know, they're more experienced. They're just more naturally talented. They're more athletic than me. And I'm able to dominate them. And I just think to myself sometimes like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, how, how is this happening? And a lot of the time it's simply because 
I'm just playing a particularly effective pressure pass style or I'm just turning the dial up in intensity in a way that they just aren't used to or they're not expecting. Uh, Because, yeah, to your point, you can be the most athletic, naturally talented and experienced grappler in the world. But if your opponent takes the intensity to a level that you just can't process, then you're going to lose. And that's just the way that it is. Yeah, especially if they push the tempo on you and then, you know, you get stuck behind in a sequence and you're just constantly framing and trying to trying to create space and they're uh, but the aggressiveness and the the constant, you know, pressure and angle switching and things like that from someone on top, you can end up, you know, behind the sequence, even though maybe you're a better you're a better grappler or, or at least better in a lot of different areas. So I think that things, especially in um, like high level competition, that's where you see aggressiveness much more of a factor. Whereas in the gym, day, the day to day training, we tend to forget that that is something that does need to be honed. Um, for the longest time, I would always try and not use attributes because it was kind of my mantra to focus particularly on technique. And then in competition, I go and I'm getting tired and I'm going against people that I feel are pushing the pace on me and I'm feeling uncomfortable because, um, you know, they're pushing the pace and then something much worse than your actual cardio. It's your confidence that goes down and you get adrenaline dumps. And then before you know it, you can't even function, uh, like you would normally function. And that's because you weren't, you know, maybe in training, you could have prepared a little bit harder. You could have pushed yourself harder and actually seek that, just, uh, that, discomfort that that you should be looking for so um now when i prepare for a competition because i'm competing at the black belt level i know that i basically have to make myself uncomfortable as often as i possibly can and go for the hardest roles as like as often as i can and now when uh, you know especially four or five weeks out from a competition i'm i'm trying not to lose any roles because i don't unless i'm positionally sparring i think that's a little bit different that's kind of uh digging yourself out of bad situations but if i'm having like a uh, a 10 minute round or an eight minute round with someone i'm gonna make sure that i'm keeping score in my head that i may uh that i'm trying to create opportunities to sweep and i capitalize on those oppor- opportunities um i think sweeping is one of those things where if you're in a competition and you're not used to uh, being aggressive and, and, um, you know, having the confidence to go for a technique, you could just end up on the bottom for the whole match getting crushed. It's happened to me, seen it happen constantly to, to people in competition. They just can't seem to pull the trigger. And a lot of it is a lack of confidence and just being too passive for, uh, for that, for that competitor. Yeah. Fundamentally, what we're talking about is dictating the pace. If you can, be the first actor and you can force your opponent to always be responding to what you're doing if they're always one step behind you it's going to be really 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 hard for them to start executing a game plan and dictating the strategy and the position of the fight Uh, it's so important and this is why fluidity is so important if you can drill things into your muscle memory to the point where you can respond faster to your opponent not even a matter of athletic speed but just experience if you can just respond faster and keep your opponent always on the defense it makes such a huge difference i mean i feel as someone who's been training for a long time the big difference between me and someone who's maybe more junior when we're sparring is not necessarily that they don't know the techniques it's just that i can transition and move and respond much faster than they can simply because i've done all of these things way more times than they have you know it takes me a millisecond to switch my game and just completely you know change what i'm trying to do to something that's going to be more effective whereas a more junior person needs to stop and think about it and that alone is sometimes the difference maker 
in terms of dictating the pace. And I think when we talk about passivity, a lot of what we're talking about is failing to dictate the pace, either because you're just not technically proficient enough to do it, or you just lack the confidence to do it. I always felt, you know, when I first started training that aggressiveness was bad, but that's because in my head, I realize now the problem was I was associating aggressiveness with like lack of control physicality. You know, when we think about aggressive, normally we think about that first month white belt who's just like throwing his body at people and trying to to kill them and where the injury rate is super high. Um, But that kind of uncontrolled physicality is not the kind of aggression that we would consider good. If I am just constantly putting pressure on my opponent, and this is not even a size or strength thing, but if I am just constantly the one who is putting the pressure on in a controlled and strategic way, that is a form of aggression. It's just not the kind of aggression that we're, we normally think of when we think of it as a bad thing, right? I think that in that sense, we have to kind of realize that the way that we usually think about aggressiveness in the context of modern society is different, right? When you, when you are like in preschool and they tell you, you know, oh, it's not good to be aggressive. What they're basically telling you is it's not good to go and pick random fights. You need to be in control of your own emotions. You need to be conscious and you need to be empathetic and you need to think. They're not telling you, you know, that it's bad to be bold, that it's bad to go for it. They're just telling you that, you know, you need to be in control of yourself. So that's something that took me a while to understand in the context of competitive sports is aggressiveness means something different from what I had been instructed on the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I if I have someone who comes up to me and they say, Matt, I want to be more, or let's say I want to be less passive. I feel like I'm rolling too passive. I'm never able to get my sweep or I'm never able to get good positions because I just can't make things happen you know, what are some of the things I would do? I would, first of all, recommend, um, you know, I, I think understanding what your goal is, is one of the most important things. I can remember sparring with, with a uh, coyote a few years ago as a brown belt. I visited his school and I remember he just like smashed me, like cut through my guard in nogi. And I just, I, I couldn't stop it at all when normally I felt like, I, Hey, I could, I think I have a pretty decent guard. And he just cut through because he was able to get into certain positions where I was just purely defensive. And then, you know, after he mounted me and submitted me, he was like, Matt, like you, you got a good game, but you just need to know what you want. Like you need to, mm-hmm. you need to be off balancing me. You need to be moving me around. You can't just uh, play a reactive game, which yeah. I think so many of us kind of do is they play a reactive counter style and then that style kind of follows them into competitions and they they are not successful because they're going against these people who are very physically uh capable right so definitely understanding the goal and usually the goal is create off balance to get sweeping opportunities right make them uh break their alignment make them post their hands and then also of course knowing the rule set will help you sort of build a game plan and and let you know where you can rest and where you can score from so uh again i've been preaching lately just you know learning the actual point system as much as possible um again refereeing is a big help for that and i'd also recommend you you know when you're trying to build up confidence essentially what's happening is I guess uh, you're, you're, you're not confident uh, and you're passive in the gym because you're afraid to go for something, right? You're afraid mm. that if you go for something and it's unsuccessful that you're going to end up in a bad position. And if you have that mentality, um, especially in a competition, you're, you're essentially, you are uh, more concerned with what your opponent's going to do to you than what you can do with to your opponent. So having that mindset i've i've had it before going into competitions and it 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 messes with you you know you're you're not thinking straight you're not thinking 
clearly with an intent or a goal. You're purely being reactive. So I think a good thing that you can do to to defeat that, first of all, try and try and seek out the toughest roles in the gym or even outside of the gym that you can and also go for things. So creating creating risks in training environments and not being afraid to get submitted or get caught or lose or whatever. Um you'll see really what you're capable of. You'll see how far down you can go into a defensive position and then still survive. And, uh, you know, you get put in these defensive positions and then you'll realize where your defense broke down and where you lost. And then from there you can start to build, build solutions for that. So I think like training yourself to take risks and, and to not be afraid to get exhausted in training is something that you can do. Like I, I, I bought a, um, I bought an Aerodyne bike, like, maybe six months ago or something. And it's amazing because it, it really physically exhausts you. So if you can condition yourself to feeling that exhaustion where your lungs are burning your and your blood's pounding, it's really, uh, it imitates competition. So what I, what I do sometimes is I jump on the bike and then I jump into live rolls right after completely exhausted. And what it does over time, it's, I mean, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. It's not like a, a fun way to train in a way you, you start to like it if you're a, a glutton for punishment, like I, I'm becoming, but, um, yeah, you'll, you'll realize what you can do when you're exhausted. You realize what you're, you're, what you're made of, how much you understand defense, how you can take a really bad situation and possibly turn it into a good situation. And, you know, throughout, throughout this process of discomfort and risk taking, that's where you can really build confidence and then become confident enough to impose your will and be aggressive when you need to be. That's a really good lecture about risk taking because i think that a lot of people once they have one or two bad experiences with something your natural inclination is to move away from it like Mm -hmm. for example if you try to triangle someone and for like a month of trying this you get smashed every time it's easy to kind of move away from that but the problem is that means that's one that's one arrow out of your quiver that you can't use right Um, it's a very defensive way of thinking to think like well i can't do that because i've I've lost in the past doing that Uh, it is a matter of putting yourself in risky and you know honestly possibly embarrassing situations that can hurt your ego if you stay in your comfort zone all the time then that's just where you're always going to be it's a permanent plateau but if as we've said in the past you invest in loss and you go into a situation where it is more likely that you're going to lose then that gives you confidence in those situations and you know you've talked a lot about the importance of confidence here i think that a lot of having confidence in a high pressure situation comes down from your familiarity with what that situation is going to be and the level of preparation that you have now the reality in any complex endeavor is that nothing ever goes according to plan but you know you've heard the saying right that you know planning is or plans are useless but planning is indispensable Uh, and i think that's a very important mentality because even when you create a plan in a very complex pressure scenario things are not going to go the way that you expect but the act of planning forces you to think things through and to really understand where your strengths and your weaknesses are and in the the case of jujitsu the strategy that it's going to allow you to build um you know maybe you're you set up funnels that kind of get the game to where you want that's a, a lot better because then you've got a proactive mindset and a proactive idea of what you need to do if your goal is to just kind of like roll in there <laughs> and you haven't really thought about what you're going to do what you really 
want to do. You just want to kind of let your natural talent just go. You can wind up in these paralyzing situations because if your opponent does something unexpected or you're just not ready for the level of intensity or they simply have a better idea of what they want to do, then they're just naturally going to be ahead. And this is not a jujitsu specific thing. I mean, if you ever have a job interview or a public speaking opportunity or any sort of on the spot thing you have to do where the stakes are high, then you know that the plan that you put in place is never going to get executed 100%. But the more you plan, the more confident you're going to be in how the outcome is going to go. And that confidence is actually often enough to take you to the win. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I think one of the more common uh, times that I see people come to me and they say, Hey, I think I'm having issues being too passive. Usually it's guard pullers because I find that top players and takedown uh, fighters tend to be more aggressive by nature. They tend to not be uh, not be so passive, if you, especially if you're a wrestler. I think the passivity is kind of bred out of you from day one if you come from a wrestling background. But it's generally guard pullers who who will come to me and say, "Hey, like you know, I feel like I can hold my guard decently, um, but I can't. I can never sweep from the bottom. I can. I am. I'm having issues getting into sweeping scenarios and back taking scenarios." Um, you know, and I'm just I just can't seem to to make my guard from defensive to offensive. And a big thing, I think, is because they get too reactionary and they feel like it's more about just maintaining guard as opposed to off balancing. And and that's a you know, it's happened to me, too. It's it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. And you, and for me personally, I've gone through phases where in the earlier belts, you know, when you're new, I was all more much more aggressive as a as a grappler in the training room and probably not that fun to roll with to be honest because i didn't want to lose and then i started realizing around blue purple belt that uh the technique was really what's important in terms of longevity so i'd just focus on my technique and then you know by the time i was getting my brown belt i i sort of realized that i was neglecting you know i wasn't weight training i wasn't doing conditioning i wasn't uh really seeking that discomfort and thinking about that aspect of competing so uh and now i'll throw out brown belt and black belt now i'm really trying to re I, i'm realizing that at the highest level it's you can't just go in with technique there's going to be guys mm-hmm. that have just as good of technique if not better and they're going to have done their strength and conditioning they're going to have better training partners than you they're going to be you know going in there and getting shark tanked every day and and just basically hating it but as a result, you get better. So it's uh, it's something that you have to actually train. It's a muscle that needs to be built. And um, yeah, maybe in the past I've said that technique is really like the the most important thing, but definitely not in competition. There's so many aspects to competition besides technique, like the will to win. Like I said, assertiveness, aggressiveness, uh, game plan, ad- ad- adaptation, understanding of the rules, like all these things are different from technique and mm-hmm. they add up to, to make a big difference. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the time you'll, you'll see guys that aren't the fanciest players in the world. Um, but, but they win because they, they are aggressive. Like I think, a I think a prime example would be like a JT Torres. Who's just, just one eighty cc's again. And, um, is just, nobody can handle his aggressiveness basically. You know, he's, you have really close matches with Canuto and Gary Tonin and all these guys, but um, you know, his, his pressure and his aggressiveness is really, I think what sets him apart from other people. Yeah. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you that although it is 
fashionable to say that technique is the most important thing. And although it, that's one of those things that intuitively we all want to hear, yeah. I actually think it's maybe like the number two mo- most important thing. I think the number one most important thing is mindset. And this applies to in other walks of life, right? It's, you know, like experience, for example, is not always the most important thing. Your mindset is often more important than the experience that you have. Uh, Having a good mindset is important because it allows you to compound your results in two different ways. First of all, if you just have a killer mindset, if you are, you know, just much more intent on winning, you're more likely to win than someone who feels otherwise. But additionally, if you have a really, really proactive, strong mindset, you're going to train harder. You're going to work better. Your technique is going to get better because you're more committed to making your technique better. Your physical attributes will get better because you're more committed to that. So not only is mindset in itself an advantage, uh, it's also an advantage because it raises all of the other attributes that you have. Now, Don't get me wrong. I think technique is ultra important. I mean, I think it's far more important than uh, physicality. I mean, if you take someone who has extremely refined technique and you put them in there with a jack dude who has no technique, I would expect the the technique guy to win almost every single time. Mm -hmm. But that said, uh, at the end of the day, the thing that I think is more important than anything else is having a positive, strong mindset and a will to win and to get better and to improve because that is going to inform all of the other attributes of your game yeah and it crosses over into other aspects of life not just jujitsu i mean i think a prime example is uh in the workplace or in your in your career when you're trying to advance and get to the next levels you know if you're if you're a passive person and you're just going to basically accept any offer that's given to you or you're not going to go out and fight for maybe you know that you're worth more but you're not gonna fight for that extra you know that extra raise or that extra position that you think you deserve and you're just fine to settle for less, there's going to be someone else, I guarantee, who is more aggressive that's going to come in and try and take that spot. And you can't blame them. This is the nature of of uh, human beings trying, you know, we don't all do it. It's a small percentage, but there is a, a percentage of the population who always tries to rise to the top and is, you know, they're doing whatever they have to do, their cardio, their conditioning, they're studying tapes, they're studying rules, all this stuff. They're the ones that are going to, you know, over time consistently win at the highest level. Um, and it's the same thing in the business world too. If you have a really passive mindset and you don't like to, um, you know, break away from routine and you, uh, you're low energy and you don't, you don't have that will to that drive to succeed, then you're probably not going to succeed. Yeah. You can't just get, uh, you know, you could be super, like you said, experienced or, or super book smart. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get your boss's job one day. It doesn't mean that you're going to, uh, be a, be a CEO or a president one day. It's a lot, uh, holistically it takes a lot of skills but you can't be passive that's for sure yeah i think where in the business world you see this a lot is when people hit a point of comfort and they get to the point where they're thinking hey we're making good money things are going well i can take the foot off the gas for a little bit and this is what happens to companies like blockbuster or kodak you know where they just completely dominated the market and then someone hungrier came along and they just didn't respond they just you know they they were passive um now in the jujitsu world probably it's harder to adopt that mindset when you're competing because the feedback in an actual competition is a lot more immediate right if i'm in matches with someone who is trying to choke me out it's kind of hard for me to just take the foot off the gas for too long. Uh, but that said, if I do, 
I'm going to pay the price really, really quick. Whereas in the business world, it might be years before you reap what you sow. So it, exactly. the time frame is a little bit different. And that's actually one of the things I really like about jujitsu is sure. the feedback loop is so short. There is really no other situation in life where you can make a big change or try something new and bold and know immediately whether yeah. oh, this was a good idea or this was not a good idea. Yeah, like it choked the fuck up. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> if you go to work and you do something totally different, I mean, you might not know for years if that turned out to be a good idea. So you might never know because people just might not give you the feedback or you might not be able to get it. I think that um, that's one of the things that can lead to passivity is just getting to a point of comfort and kind of feeling like, you know what, I'm good here. And that feels good. And that might feel good for a long time. But the problem is that's when you kind of get to the point where, you know, you like something happens, someone hungrier comes along, they take your spot. And then how do you pay the bills? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing that can happen is defensive thinking. And this is a, a very, very common thought pattern where people basically plan to lose. And by that, I mean, like when you ask them to do something, they're already coming up with ideas in their head as to why it won't work or why mm-hmm. they can't do it. Or they're already coming up with their bailout plan. Like, what am I going to do if this goes sideways? Oh, how am I going to get out of this? Who am I going to blame? Right. And rather than focusing their energy on completing a task. Exactly. Or- exactly. And it, that's similar to what you talked about earlier. You know, if you're always trying to hold on to something, if you're trying to hold on to what you've got, like, hey, I can hold guard pretty well. That's great. But like, look, you're not Helio Gracie in 1930s. You know, you can't just pull guard on someone and hold them there for 60 minutes and then call yourself the victor. Like, um, unless you're going to, unless you're going to a, like under a rule set like that, we're going, you know, going to a draw like that is an option. I mean, the reality is under a point-based time-based system, you need to take the initiative at some point. You know, holding guard is great. It's a critical skill set because it means that worst case scenario, if you're getting your ass kicked, you have the ability to turn the table around or at least slow it down. But really what you need to do is actually focus on dictating the pace. You should, I mean, if you want to go to guard because you're good at it, that's awesome. But if your goal is to just sit there and be like, how can I hold this? Well, that's defensive thinking. You know, you're not thinking about Mm -hmm. how can I actually advance the position? How can I end this fight? Or how can I create a point strategy where I'm basically guaranteed to win unless something catastrophic happens, right? That kind of defensive thinking holds a lot of people back. And it's very, it's very, very pernicious because people don't realize they're doing it. You know, we all think defensively a lot of the time because we're scared. You know, human beings are naturally scared. uh, And so we want to hedge our bets and we want to protect ourselves from risks. And that's important to some degree. But if I ask you to take a big chance that could really, really benefit you. And the first thing you think of is like, oh, here's all of the reasons why it won't work. Here's all of the things I'm going to have to do to get out of this. Like Mm -hmm. that's defensive thinking. And it might allow you to hold your position where you are for a while, but it's not going to allow you to get any further. Yeah. And, and I think that it is important too to, uh, you know, in the business world and even in jujitsu to not always be going a hundred percent. Like there's times when it's oh, good yeah. to take your foot off the gas and there's a limit the to how much labor yeah, yeah, exactly. like, and regroup and then come back harder than ever, as opposed to just burning out. I think the issue um, is some people take their foot off the gas for five years. Yeah. And, and back, you know, back when I was uh, cooking, I, I was surrounded essentially by people who 
you know, maybe they were five, 10, 15 years in the industry and had just built a resentment towards the industry. Every day I'd go in there, they'd say, oh, I fucking hate being here. I hate being here. And I'd just be like, yeah, but what have you done to like get out of here? Like, Mm -hmm. I know you hate it. Yeah. I know you make a decent wage doing this. You're probably not going to make this wage anywhere else. But what what is your plan? Like, do you have an escape route? What is your... Uh, or are you just going to be here because it's part of your routine and Mm -hmm. you don't want to change your daily routine because it involves a risk or you don't have the confidence or you don't have the skill to do something else or the game plan. Um, luckily I, I had jujitsu and I, around that time I was, I was feeling this way. I was also deciding that it was maybe time to open a school and start transitioning out. But there are people that I worked with that are still there and they're probably going to retire there doing a job that they didn't want to do and couldn't move up because they, never really wanted that next step so yeah being a big fish in a small pond is a curse because like if you're in a job and you don't love it but it's technically you're getting paid well technically they're treating you well technically you're getting a modest income and a modest raise it's very easy to say you know what let's just leave it like it is. And in jujitsu, I think this comes up a lot too, where maybe people are, you know, they're in a situation where their training routine and their training environment is only going to offer them modest gains. Mm. And, you know, maybe they're happy with that. They're like, yeah, I'm getting my stripe every few months. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm getting better. It's not like I'm getting worse. I'm obviously getting better. Um, you know, I like this gym. It would be really, really socially awkward to move. So you know what? Let's just keep to the routine. But sometimes like if you just stay on that track, you're not going to be able to really, really jump to the next level. And a lot of the time jumping to the next level requires you to just go totally outside of your comfort zone and understand that like the methods that you used to get to where you were are not going to be good enough to get you to the next level. It's like we talked about this before. I mean, even not even taking competition into account, if you want to train at a white belt level, that's way different from what the way you're going to have to think if you want to train at a brown or a black belt level. And especially if you want to go into competition and actually have, you know, measurable results tied to your performance, like and in some cases have your career tied to this. You have to just jump to a completely different level in terms of commitment and in terms of the way that you train. Like, for example, I mean, I'm a hobbyist. The way that I train is going to be dramatically, dramatically different from the way that someone who does this for a job trains, right? I mean, I'm happy with my training routine, but that's because basically my goal is given, you know, two or three training sessions a week that I can fit into my life. How can I get good exercise? How how can I be maximally efficient with the time that I'm willing to put into this and still enjoy it. Right. And that's, I'm happy with what I get for that. But like, if you wanted to do what, like you're doing, where you're actually doing this as a compet as a, a competitive job, you have, you couldn't do what I do because you would be stuck kind of on the path on that path. You wouldn't have access to the tools and the methods that you need. If you want to go to the next level, it's the same in any career path. It's, you know, it's very easy to get comfortable with the routine that you've got. And mm-hmm. so, I think that's where passivity becomes challenging for people. Uh, You know, when you have this passivity problem, a lot of the time, the thing that makes it hard to fix is you're not technically doing anything wrong. You know, you're probably training at a good place with good people. You're learning the right techniques. It's not like you're being taught bad jujitsu, presumably. You might be. Well, you might be. But like, (laughs) let's assume it's a good club. But all of these things combined, none of those things are going to address the fact that you need to take things to a completely different plane of existence from where you would need to take it if you're just kind of like chilling at the gym and you're not really taking things seriously from a competition standpoint. It's a almost like a completely different whole process of learning than if you're just doing things for fun. 
Yeah, what you described about getting getting sort of stuck in that job that you don't really like or or love, but you get good wage, you get good benefits yeah. and even a pension. We referred to that as the golden handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, base it really comes down to uh you know, taking ownership of your future and deciding for yourself, like, am I going to do this forever? Um, doing something that I don't really find fulfilling and it pays the bills. And then in the end, you know, I'll have a mediocre retirement, maybe who knows, or am I going to actually try and fill my days with something that I like to do? There's room for growth and there's no chance that I'm going to regret my, or, you know, or, or, or even, you know, you might actually regret your decision if, if maybe you open your own business venture and it doesn't work, but at least you tried, right? Yeah. yeah. And you know, that may, you know, you don't have to live with that. Well, what if type scenario? And the other thing too, is people, especially in that case, they tend to dramatically overestimate the downside and dramatically underestimate the upside and this especially happens if you have a defense if you think defensively like the reality is in most cases quitting your job to start your own business is not as disastrous as you would think it would be and the stat that people always cite is like well 95 percent of businesses fail and when you hear that it makes you think like this is a terrible idea but i mean I think that most people who have tried this would, you know, who have started their own business would probably come back to you and tell you that at the end of the day, it was a positive opportunity, no matter what, you know, it's, and it's not in some cases, yes, it might leave you totally destitute, but in most cases, I think that the upside is a lot better than the downside. So Mm -hmm. a big part of you know, not being passive is really understanding exactly like what the risk versus reward is. Totally. Yeah. You know, because I think that a lot of passivity comes from defensive thinking and fear of pulling the trigger. Whereas in reality, a lot of the time pulling the trigger is not as dangerous to you as you thought it would be. Um, And in jujitsu, you know, this happens a lot where you just kind of, you get gun shy and you just kind of, you know, you sit there and you're afraid to do something for whatever reason. Like I know I'm holding this guy in my guard. I know I could at least attempt a sweep, but I'm literally not even doing that. I'm just trying to hold it. Um, The reality is, like, if I've got you, even if you're really, really, really good, if I just hold you in my guard, you're going to eventually get out or do something. It's just a matter of how long I can hold you there. Eventually, you'll get out. Um, But if I at least attempt something, I mean, yes, there is the possibility that I might screw up a sweep and I might lose position or something. But the reality is, in order to get Kazushi and actually initiate an effective sweep, you've got to at least do something to start off balancing them, right? Like maybe I go for a sweep and it doesn't work. That's fine. But at least now I've got my opponent moving and reacting to me. And now I can do something else. I think where people do get passive is they train themselves to think in terms of like, I tried a sweep. It didn't work. I just can't do it. But I do know I can hold guard. So that's what I'm going to do. And so they just never pull the trigger on trying that sweep, not realizing that the goal is not to get one sweep one time, but the goal is to keep your opponent reacting to you. Being being passive in, in like all walks of life can really just... I find one of the worst things that I could live with would be regret. You know, mm-hmm. like I, a few years ago when I was still working as a chef, I would imagine myself like, where do I, where do I see myself five years from now, 10 years from now? Doing and, a podcast in my parents' upstairs bedroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, that, that actually would sound pretty sweet. Cause at least I'd have time to do a podcast. That's but, true. um, but yeah, like I, I just, I thought, okay, if I'm, if I'm in this exact same spot in five years, I'm going to hate it. Like I'm going to actually have regret because that's five years that I could have put into something else. And now that I actually took the leap and did something else and made and dedicated to jujitsu. Now it's like, 
well, there's no regret at all. And and it's not scary at all. And the reward, the risk versus reward made sense after all. And it, it, was it a lot of work to sort of uproot my career and my, and my life and start something new and change my routine? Yeah, absolutely. But now that it's done, it's done. Mm. And let's so be honest. It's a way what, better path yeah. now. But let's be honest too. Was it more work or was it more mental work? Like, was it more just like a, a mental load that you had to carry or was it actually more work as well? Um, well, it, I mean, it was it was more work when I had to train full time and cook full time. But as soon as I quit, it was not going to lie. It was like I was on vacation every yeah. day. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the time yeah. the hard work is not that you're putting in more hours. It's that it is painful to your sense of comfort to turn your life upside down. And that is a lot of work retraining your brain to live a new type of life. Yeah, it's true. I, I th- there was a time when I was putting in a lot of hours, and between work and jujitsu, I just wasn't getting the rest that I needed. But um, but yeah, like I said, uh, actually starting the business itself, um, and and building the gym wasn't the hard part. It was like the training every day and the and the working every day. And then you know when I finally felt that I was at a position financially that I could quit my job and I did, it was the most freeing thing ever. So now when I have people telling me how much they hate their job and you know how how they just wish that they could do jujitsu all day, I'm like, dude, you can. Like, mm-hmm. You you have to have a vision. You have to, you know, I didn't even think about it at the time, but from from all the competing that I did in my first ten years of jujitsu, it really created a nice portfolio. And now. Uh, people in the area come to me because of of that competition record. Um, and I didn't even think about it back then. So hopefully if you have something like that or you have, you know, you're a good instructor or good competitor, you'll have actually some merits that people will will seek when it comes to learning jujitsu. But I, I feel like, you know, a sad thing is to to be good at something and to want to do that for a living. But it's just safer to stick with the job that you're at. And you just stay stuck in your routine and you're, you know, you're not willing to take that risk. And that's essentially what passivity is. And yeah, yeah, living yeah. with regret, I think, is like the worst hell that you can put yourself through. Yeah. The thing that I like about these mental model discussions is the whole idea behind a mental model is that it's supposed to apply to basically any kind of problem that you have in life. And this is a pattern that <laughs> comes up a lot in this podcast. It seems that a lot of the time we start the episode talking about jujitsu and by the end of it, we're talking about how to live your life. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, it is applicable, right? Passivity is a very common problem in jujitsu where you go to what you're comfortable with. You're playing defensively. You're not trying to take the initiative and ultimately you're not really trying to win you're trying to slow down your opponent's victory and people live their lives like that as well right I mean I remember dad a piece of advice that he once gave me was he said you know you're doing this because you're comfortable and that's not a good reason to do something for the long term right and I agree with that I think that if your number one reason for doing something is because it's the comfortable choice long term that's going to hurt you right it's never a good situation to do something solely because it would be uncomfortable to do anything else that's really um, in the moment it's easy to make that decision but the problem is you wind up making that decision for like 10 years and to your point that's when you wind up being a person who lives their whole life doing something that they didn't want to do dad gave you that advice that's better advice than he ever gave me oh fucker i know (laughs) i wish he'd given me that advice (laughs) but that is true i totally agree with that 
if you're at least i think it was that it might have been like russell crowe in a movie or something yeah. i'm pretty sure it was that <laughs> it might have been uh, uncle ben yeah. <laughs> spider-man but no i i think that that's a that's a really really valid point and it does scale at the micro down to when you're sparring with someone mm-hmm. you just can't pull the trigger a lot of the time you have to ask yourself like why not is it i'm sure you yeah. can it's probably because you're afraid that if you try and sweep or you try and do whatever you want to do that your opponent is going to take that as an opportunity yeah. and they're going to kick your ass. Yeah, caught. So you have chosen to, rather than to try to win, you have chosen to slow down your loss and yeah. you're going to have a real hard time unless you're just way better than your opponent. You're going to have a weird or really, really hard time winning if you're playing a defensive passive game, I'm not saying it can't happen, but the skill, the skill discrepancy has to be dramatic in order to win that way. Yeah. Especially like in a tournament, um, like an ADCC competition where the rule set there's no advantages. You have to get a sweep or you have mm-hmm. to get a takedown uh, like decisively. You have to hold it for three seconds or it's worth nothing. Um, you really have to have the confidence and the aggression to go for that sweep. You really have to you know, come up on that single leg and, and, and have the will to finish it. If you just are looking for advantages, it, you're not going to win. It's not going to be enough at, at, in a competition like that. And even at the highest level of even IBJJF, if you, if you're not, if you don't have that will to win and the will to implement your game, if you're just worried about what your opponent's going to do, it's just not going to be a good, a good situation. So yeah. definitely. And, and, you know, I think, I think Rob, um, you know, as great as he is technically as my coach, if I had any criticisms about his, um, you know, him as a, as a competitor or as a coach, it's that he doesn't push the physical side enough. He, mm-hmm. he's, he's, uh, he's almost not very confident with his own physical abilities. He's considered, he cares, considers himself, oh, I'm an old man. I'm, I'm weak and whatever. I mean, the guy just, he well, just he is a- very sickly. He can't walk up the stairs and that's why he adapted the art into this taint based grappling system <laughs> is because traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu didn't work for someone as weak and sickly as him. So now that he has altered this art to this next level, he has passed it down to the Quan family and presumably <laughs> over the next 100 years, we will propagate this and become a legend we'll, we'll start rewriting the history now <laughs> I've, I've already written it <laughs> uh, and, and a guy like rob who's not physical really at all like he's pretty much purely technique yeah. um he just got bronze at, at uh at nogi worlds at, at at the master's level but still it's, it's at the black belt level and um he didn't really even get a training camp the way that he wanted and i feel that if he was more aggressive, more confident with his uh, physicality and his conditioning, he would definitely be able to win that competition. So, um, you know, if that was my only criticism of someone like him in terms of teaching jujitsu and the technical knowledge and all the systems and stuff, he's he's top notch. But that's the one part where he's lacking. So it's it's definitely, you know, a coach can be too aggressive and not technical enough or not conceptual enough. And they can also be the other way around, not, uh, aggressive enough, but super technical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I think for him, it does make sense to take that strategy because his whole bread and butter, like his whole system is based mostly on a pure technique system. Um, and really what he teaches is technique that isn't to say that you shouldn't supplement with physical aspects if you want to compete but you know he's kind of carved out a niche which i think makes sense for him but i agree with you that you know if i were competing i would be really focusing on the athletic side of things a lot more than i do Uh, Mm -hmm. whereas for me 
as a hobbyist. Really, technique is the only thing that I care about. Uh, so I, I can understand why that would resonate. But yeah, the reality is a fully technical approach. It doesn't have to lead to passivity, but a lot of the time it does simply because of the way that you train. Um, and you can fix that though. You can train a very aggressive technique-based game. It's not impossible to do, but you need to be deliberate about the training that you're doing. If you just kind of show up to class, every class, and just like have a light free roll and you don't really think about what's happening, it's easy to fall into these traps where that's going to wind up happening in a real fight as well. Mm-hmm. But if you go in to your class and you're training with purpose and you know you go in and at the beginning of class, you know what you want to do or at least what you want to attempt to do and you have a game plan, I find a lot of the time you get a lot more out of class that way. If you actually thought about it beforehand, even if just for 30 seconds to think about, eh, man, you know, my Delaheva sucks today. I just, I really want to work on Delaheva and I'm going to try to make this happen. Um, even going above and beyond the technical benefits to doing that, it just helps build a mindset of being proactive rather than being reactive. And I find that that's a very valuable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And definitely being critical of yourself enough to say, Hey, like, um, am I aggressive enough for this competition coming up? Like, have I been pushing myself past the level of discomfort or am I just going to this competition? Like you said, just being like, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to, I used to do that and, uh, mixed results. But honestly, now at the black belt level, I don't think I can do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I literally have to study the game. I have to push my body the limits. I have to do physio. I have to do all that shit. Otherwise I just feel like I'm not going to have the confidence or the actual knowledge or game plan or strategy to be able to defeat those guys at the highest level. So, um, you know, taking ownership and being critical of yourself is a huge part of it. Definitely, definitely. So today we talked about growth from discomfort. Really, a lot of passivity is getting stuck in a rut, living your life the same way over and over and over again. Or in the case of jujitsu, just not being aggressive. You always want to be pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And even when it comes down to an individual role, a lot of the time that means being willing to take initiative in positions where you would be more comfortable just holding we talked about the path of least resistance the beauty of a martial art like brazilian jiu-jitsu is it is ultra efficient and at a technical level we always want things to be easy we want to do things in the most efficient way but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying because if you get to the point where you're relying solely on efficiency and you're not putting in effort and you're not being aggressive you might find that someone who is also technically proficient will have that aggressiveness and that's going to to overcome you we talked about dictating the pace a super critical mental model really you want to be the one who is defining the strategy of a fight you want to be the one who controls the tempo as keenan would say if you're constantly reacting to what your opponent is doing it's going to be incredibly challenging to have any sort of positive results we talked about defensive thinking basically this means when you are confronted with a challenge Are you willing to take risk to move yourself forward? Or are you immediately looking for a way out? Are you immediately thinking, oh, that wouldn't work? Are you trying to avoid situations that are uncomfortable, even if they would be better for you in the long run? And we talked about training with purpose. 
when you go into a training session, it is always critical beforehand to have goals, to know what you want to work on, um, not even just in terms of individual techniques, but in terms of your own competitive mindset. I, I find I do this a lot where if I feel like I've been overly passive, I will go into class some sometimes thinking I am going to just be more aggressive from guard. As soon as I get to guard, I'm going to attempt to sweep right away. I find that that is a really, really good way to break out of the passivity that comes from technical sparring. Uh, because yeah, to your point at the beginning of this episode, if you're sparring purely technically, it's very likely that you're going to fall into a passive strategy, but you can break out of that just by consciously making an effort at the beginning of every class to decide from specific positions to be more aggressive than you normally would. Mm -hmm. So Matt, I mean, I know that this whole episode was themed on a question, but I've actually got another one that you might want to cover. All right. All right. I've just been listening to episode 53 on being bad at jujitsu. It really resonated with me. I've been training for about six months, normally twice a week. I'm 32 and have never done anything like jujitsu before. I feel like I'm bad at BJJ and I wonder if I just don't have the attributes for it. I'm also getting self-conscious about being bad and I'm not fully committing myself in class because of that. I'm one of the lighter guys at my gym and get smashed constantly by heavier people and anyone but the most recent starters regardless of belt i'm yet to receive a stripe my problem is information retention our coach will show us a technique or series of techniques and two minutes later when it's time to drill my mind will turn to mush and i won't be able to replicate the things that i just had explained to me when i'm rolling my mind just goes completely blank and i keep on making the same mistakes in terms of not getting frames in getting swept and giving up levers the whole time I've started keeping a journal of what happened in class, but I'm still struggling to retain information at the important times. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. P.S. Your podcast is an amazing resource. I love the way you conceptualize BJJ, even if I'm not at the stage of being able to implement the concepts. It's great work, so thank you for putting it together. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I do know people who are just not good at jujitsu, <laughs> including just, you, sir. And just, they never, they never improve. I'm not saying that that's this person because six months really isn't a long time. Yeah. 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 It. You're being pretty I, hard on yourself. At six I know months. guys that have been white belt for like six years yeah, like, or yeah. more, you know, and that's, that's when I would say, okay, maybe this isn't my sport. If I'm still struggling to do basic things. Um, I mean, it would be great to just actually bounce questions off this person because obviously there's a lot to understand before we can give real advice. But I would say, well, maybe you're instruct like maybe you don't know what what your learning style is. You know, some people like to write things down on paper. Some people like to watch things visually. Some people need to physically do things. I think understanding what kind of a learner you are uh, will help you better understand how to learn things and how to memorize things. Um I just did a private with a woman the other day and I, I said, Hey, like, do you want to film this? And she said, not really. I'd, I, I don't think I'd get much out of that. But what I would like for you to do is just send me like write down when you go home, make a quick bullet point, no, you know, bullet form notes on just what we did today. And then once I see them, I can sort of, uh, I can, I can file it away in my mind once I see the words on the page. So I think certain people learn it different ways. You know, I, I was always pretty lucky that I can I can almost always watch a move and then pretty much uh, I can sort of regurgitate it and mimic it. Um, and then from there, I can learn it quite easily. Whereas I know a lot of people, they try a move over and over and over and they don't get it again. Right. So um, it's going to depend a lot on how your brain likes to likes to 
uh, file and manage information and store it away so that it can be recalled again at another time. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't really know much about their teaching method methodology at, the, at this guy's gym. I don't know what his game is like. So those are all questions I would like to ask as, as well. Yeah, I would add on to that. As you said, Matt, six months is not really a long time to be training. You should and, suck at six months. Yeah. If you, if you don't suck at six months, you are like a prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you're, if you're in there you at six really months, good. just cleaning up, then actually maybe you should consider going to Abu Dhabi because like, that's incredible. <laughs> um, the reality is that it's like when you're a kid, you know, a day or a week or a month feels like a long time. You know, you remember when you were in school and summer break felt like forever, even though it was only like a few months. But when you grow up, three months just passes in the blink of an eye. <laughs> yes. It's a lot like that in jujitsu, whereas at white belt, you know, six months feels like just this incredible amount of time. For me, six months of training is nothing like it, it's not even it's not even a thing i mean people talk about how oh i'm stuck in a plateau i haven't really don't feel like i've gotten better this month it's like guys i i've gone through like year-long periods where i didn't feel like you get i got mm -hmm. better you know that's just normal and it is just part of the game and as you train you realize that and you start to you're able to kind of ignore the hills and the valleys and just look at growth over the long term so at six months i wouldn't be particularly hard on yourself also if you're smaller the thing to understand is it's, it's going to be harder. <laughs> yeah, it it is possible to compensate um, for strength with technique. I mean, that's the whole point of the sport. But it's not like you go to like a, a three month intensive and then you're going to be like in there just beating up bodybuilders. Right. I think that people have this misconception of exactly how amazing jujitsu is because, you know, they, they saw all of these old like Gracie's and action DVDs and they think that they can just mimic that in like a few short train months of training. I mean, like, see, you know, a lot of these guys that you see, they were training like 20 years before they were able to go in and do that. And I would tell you that some of the really small people I've seen who do get to that level where they can, they can hold their own. Like it's not until like Brown or black belt that they can do that against large opponent opponents all the time consistently it takes a long time to learn how to compensate for a massive massive size and strength disadvantage so i think you're be you're being hard on yourself in that capacity uh, but that said i think it's great that you're looking to get better like matt said it's hard to know without knowing how your instructor teaches exactly why things aren't sticking i mean i i can tell you that at six months because everything is new and there's so many details to jujitsu the fact that you're forgetting most of it or you're not that you're not like able to retain everything that's normal yeah you know you're you're never going to be able to retain everything it's a lot easier once you get more experienced because if you can like bang off an armbar without thinking about it because you've been doing it for 10 years if someone shows you a variant of the armbar it's a lot easier to just learn it because you can be like oh it's just like this other thing except i turn this way instead of that way it's easier to retain it but at six months everything that you see is brand new right and so it's like an overwhelming amount of detail my suggestion would be don't be too hard on yourself because you weren't able to remember every single detail my suggestion would be make sure that you understand the fundamental pieces of what you're trying to do that really matter and tra train and drill those extensively and then from there once you really understand the core mechanics then you can start putting little things on top of that and filling in the rest of the missing details um, but i think the mistake a lot of people make is they'll get taught an armbar in like 12 steps and they try to memorize all 12 steps really what you need to do is understand at the base level like how do frames levers and wedges work who has posture who has structure who has base think about those things in the context of every move um, and try to think 
from from where I am, how can I further break my opponent's alignment at every point? And also ask yourself, is there anything I'm doing which jeopardizes my own alignment? Mm-hmm. Don't even worry about like whose hand is where and whose foot is where, because the reality is there's so many variations to every single technique that there is no one right way to do things. You know, even if your instructor's telling you, oh, you grab the right hand with your left hand, like there's going to be people who do it differently anyway. I would try to distill it down to the core things that really, really matter. And in in this case, that means map it back to alignment. And then from there, once you really get fluent with why, why this move works, not just how and what, but why it works, then you can start actually thinking about the specific details. But yeah, I wouldn't beat yourself up at six months over it. Yeah. And I don't, I have no idea who your instructor is or what lineage you are, but it would be good to probably have a conversation with your instructor and you know, tell uh, he or she that you you want some on the spot feedback and mm-hmm. honest feedback about you know things that you're doing in the gym. Even if it's like, hey, can you watch me roll one round or whatever? You know, and and let's be honest, you're 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 a zero stripe white belt, so your instructor unfortunately just naturally will have a lot of other concerns going on in the gym when you're there, and uh, it might might take some effort on your instructor's part to actually make time for you, but just express that you're really interested in your instructor's feedback and that you'd like just five minutes for them to watch you roll, give you some on the spot feedback. And then, then you have something to work with, right? If your instructor is giving you feedback, like you have to have more pressure or you have to be more agile it's invisible jujitsu or it's invisible jujitsu, or I want to see, you know, I had a private, uh, uh, a few days ago and the guy was from out of town and he said um he he's he's a four stripe blue and he's saying hey, he's asking his instructor oh what do i need to what what do i need to focus on to get to the next level like the purple belt level and his instructor said i want you to compete and it's like i mean yeah i understand that but that's that doesn't give you i don't consider that uh technical advice i consider mm-hmm. that like Here's a goal you could accomplish. Here's something that, um, you know, that that could be a great experience or whatever. It's not like, oh, you need to work on your guard retention movements. You need to work on your grip fighting. You need to work on your engagement. It's it's, It's none of that. It's like, oh, you need to go compete. It's like, so if I go compete, does that mean that I'm just going to make those same mistakes in the competition as opposed to in the on in the gym, you know, so like real technical knowledge Um, if your instructor is able to actually talk to you about the holes in your game and then come up with a game plan on how you could improve those, those holes in your game, like, you know, maybe, maybe if guard retention is your issue, you need to focus on these guard retention movements. Uh, you need to focus on these, you need to understand the three phases of guard and you need to really put yourself there until you're just not getting your guard passed. And he's going to help mentor you through that process. That's a good instructor. If your instructor's like, just trust the process, you know, and then that's it. It's like, well, maybe you should be looking for a different instructor, right? Maybe, maybe you should be more critical about, uh, your, your instructors, the way that they teach, right? Because not all instructors are the same. So, I mean, we have very limited knowledge about this person, but, uh, six months is not a long time. And yeah, sometimes it takes people years before they finally start to see some results. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I mean, sometimes people are bad, 
for extended periods of time and then one day they just stop being bad i mean i've trained with people like that who've made it up to like very 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 high belt rankings and i enrolling with them and thinking like man this is just this is just sad this is just not working and then one day they just put it all together and it's just like a light bulb goes off and then it's just exponential from there right and they were able to catch up relatively quickly because they already know all of the motions and the movements it's just a matter of something some central cog in the machine was missing and then they were able to fill that in so i wouldn't be too hard on yourself i mean plateaus are natural and (laughs) when you've just started off you should be not in not even so much in a plateau but more of in like a trough because of course you're going to be the worst (laughs) person in the gym yeah (laughs) Literally in the trenches. Yeah. yeah, And, and it sounds just, even if you don't know that you're doing this, you know, it sounds like you're kind of comparing yourself to other people. You know, if you're seeing other people getting promoted and you're seeing other people that maybe you started with and now they're getting stripes and they're, they're starting to really dish it out to you in the, in the rounds. Remember that you're not comparing yourself against other people. At least I know it's our, it's our human instinct to do that, but really that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, we've mentioned before comparing, comparing yourself with the person you were yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, six months ago, whatever, right? Look, look at what you, what you do well, try and try and think about the things that you do well. And then hopefully that'll give you some confidence and some motivation to actually improve things that you don't do well. So like I, you know, I, I mentioned before we talk about what, what people can do to improve their game. Think about things you do well, think about things you wish you could do better. And then think about a logical game plan that takes you to that next step to, to fill in those holes that you might have and to turn those things that you don't do very well into positive things. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Well, I think that was actually a really productive chat. As always, we have taught people about jujitsu and about life. That's yeah. why they come here, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. And you learned something about dad too that you didn't even know. He actually gave us some advice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, he gave me some advice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe yours is coming. Maybe one day you'll get yeah, it. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys, again, for your attention. As always, if you want to learn more about the concepts that we've discussed here, you can go to bjjmentalmodels.com. If you want to join our mailing list where we provide more context and more information on what we talk about on the show, as well as other details, you can sign up at bjjmentalmodels.com slash join. If you want to support the podcast, that would be fantastic we have gi patches and we have t-shirts available at bjjmentalmodels.com slash store and if you want to get in touch with us there's a contact form on the website but you can also catch us on facebook and on instagram we're active there and we also post updates to the show and just general other bits of content there as well so we do appreciate all of your ongoing support thanks again matt thank you steve thank you and thank you the listener yeah See you next time. Fire patches. Fire patches. Bye-bye. See you next time.